Hey y'all. I just wanted to hop on here and tell you a little bit about Rachel's story. Um, hers was the first one outside of my immediate circle of friends and family. I knew from social, social media <laughs> that she had experienced loss, um, but I didn't know any of the specifics beforehand. Um, we knew each other back in college, but I feel as though we really reconnected in a way that only loss like this can do. Um, and then we have our shared love for teaching, library story time with our boys, and then just the hectic joy that is being a boy mom. Um, it has really felt like no time passed at all since we were little university babies back in, not going to tell you the year because that will tell you our age. Um, and I'm okay with that, but you know, don't want to share her age if she doesn't want that. Um, but I just really hope you guys enjoy the laughter and the tears as much as I did. Hey everybody, welcome to Motherhood Off the Rails. I'm your host, Jolene, and today we have my friend, Rachel. She is here to share her story, and I'm so excited to have you, Rachel. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jolene. It's been a long time, but I'm really excited for us to share my story with you. Definitely. It's a way that we get to reconnect. We've known each other from university um, and now we're reconnecting in this really awesome special way. So why don't you just catch us up with your life a little bit? Tell us about yourself. Yeah. Okay. So my name is Rachel and I've been teaching for 11 years. I literally had to count the other day because I had <laughs> lost track. So starting my 12th year of teaching, I love teaching fourth grade. Um, I have a 20 month year old son who keeps me so so busy and mm -hmm. exhausted, but it's a lot of fun. Um, I love reading. I love taking my son to story time. Love watching movies, drawing on my iPad, hanging out with family. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it sounds like your motherhood life is definitely keeping you busy. So yes. that's awesome. So thank <laughs> you for making time for this. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it in, in the summertime before the school year just gets crazy. Yeah. And nap time is the perfect time. Yes, yes. Mine goes down in about 20 minutes. So thankfully, my husband's got that. <laughs> well, let's jump into your story. Um, why don't you start with the same question I ask everybody? Um, because it's really the beginning. Everybody has a beginning. And even though it looks different, um, why don't you share where your dream of motherhood began? Yeah, so I knew that I always wanted to be a mom. I loved working with kids at church. I knew I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I guess what I didn't know is that uh, there were there are challenges that people mm -hmm. face along the way. And that was something that I was just really naive about. So I thought, hey, you know, you find somebody you love, you get married, you have a baby if you want one. Yes. And that's all I thought. <laughs> and it's crazy that she mentioned that because literally in the last um, story that I recorded, they said the same exact thing. And that was one of the I guess frustrations that myself and two of my other friends that helped um, kind of brainstorm this discussed when we were trying to figure out what questions to put is like, we all thought that same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe it has to do with like the culture we grew up in because we kind of all yeah. grew up in the same culture. Like this is your goal. And if you do everything right, then that goal will be accomplished. And like, I don't think I heard the word miscarriage infertility no. IVF until mm -mm. 
sometime in college or post-college. So definitely in the same boat there. And that's just another reason we want to do this is to give others a heads up or create that space where people are like, um, yeah, me too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word sex on here. So girl, there's no such thing as TMI. There's so so much for it. They teach you so much about like, you don't have sex before marriage. You don't have Mm -hmm. sex. You're not in a committed relationship because sex leads to babies. So it's kind of interesting that (laughs) that's not always true. (laughs) Surprise. It doesn't happen like it does in the movies. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Yes. Frustration number 573 that we will continue reiterating on this podcast. What was the discussion with your spouse um, once you guys were married and kind of just adjusted to life um, about starting parenthood? Yeah, so we, um, my husband and I were living overseas as like we moved overseas as soon as we were married. So we didn't really have kids on our mind until a couple years later. And I was the one who like initiated the conversation. My husband was like, yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen (laughs) in its own time, you know, type thing. And then we started, (laughs) you know, trying or thinking like, hey, it'll happen. And then like one year went by and two years went by. And I was like, I wonder how long this is supposed to take. (laughs) So you mentioned that it kind of was taking you longer than you expected. So is that kind of when your dreams of motherhood went off track? Um, when did you kind of feel just things falling apart? Yeah. So after a couple years of not being on birth control, not using any contraceptive contraceptives, I started to wonder like, how long is this supposed to take? Mm-hmm. And I started to do like my own Googling. Which is research. so dangerous. We've all done right. it before. <laughs> and that's kind of when I was like, oh, there is a whole like you know, TTC. I think that's when I heard the first, like trying to conceive um, abbreviation. And I was like, whoa, there is an entire community of women that are in this boat. Um, Or I didn't know I was really in that boat. So I actually made an OBGYN appointment and I had delayed it twice because I was so freaked out and panicked about like what was going to happen. Um, So we finally had our appointment And the doctor was like, yeah, it shouldn't take you more than six months to a year of being off of birth control, even if you're not like intentionally trying to have a baby. So right away, like she issued all the tests, all the things. So of course, you know, like the blood work and the HSG and even the semen analysis for my husband. So like, that's kind of when we were we were, we realized, well, we are in something that we didn't even know anything about before we started. I, I totally understand like delaying your appointment because for me, putting myself in that situation, it's almost like you don't want to get the answers. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get the truth because mm-hmm. that's facing it. Um, Cause you know, just trying, yeah, it's in the back of your mind, but it's not a glaring this is our problem because right. like like you said again we grew up thinking it's just gonna happen we don't mm-hmm. have to think about it and everybody has a happily ever after but as we're finding out with every single story like they it's it doesn't happen that way and we need to turn the tide and the lies around and be like it might not 
look like the fairy tale you've envisioned. Like actually statistics show it will not. Like if we're going right. to go purely with science, like, and I, I want to like get more of this. I don't want to like just spew things off the top of my head because I'm not Google. Um, but it, it's, it's scary. The statistics are so alarming that it's just like, why aren't we talking about this more? And so that's so why I'm so excited that um, yourself and so many others are willing to open up and be like, we had problems because it's hard to admit when yeah. you, you, you think the problem is you, but so much, it's so much of the time it's more than that. Yeah. And it can feel, I mean, it can feel embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It can feel like, you know, a taboo. We kind of mentioned earlier that like people just don't talk about it. So, you know, we started to get the questions like, when are you guys having babies? And I'm Babies aren't ordered that way. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it works. Um, And so we were kind of keeping it like really hush at first to ourselves, not really letting anybody know about our desires slash also what we were going through. And then it just, and then it just came out or like, Mm -hmm. actually we're having a really hard time and we've been going through testing. Like, please be, you know, gentle with us as we're going Mm -hmm. through our journey. And some people really go in like, head first. They do all the tests and back to back to back to back. I couldn't do that. I yeah. was, I was taking it really slow because I think I was having a hard time facing it. Like you were saying. So I'd, I'd run through a couple of tests and then like I'd stop for a couple months and mm-hmm. then we would go back into it and, you know, get my husband started and then we would wait a couple months. So it was hard for me. Yeah, for sure. Every story that I hear, I keep saying, I can't imagine how, how hard that would be. But each of us in our own loss can kind of take a piece of that. And I think that's another thing that's going to connect everybody. Everybody's story looks different, but yeah. loss is loss across the mm-hmm. board. So after you guys are taking that break, how, how long was that time period? So that was that was over the course of a couple of years. Um, finally went to our first doctor's appointment like early 2019 and then we had finally committed to running an IUI cycle in um it would have been for like January 2020. How are you processing and this is I, I hate to like put it into just one question, but how in that moment were you processing the struggle? Yeah so actually just before um all of that, I was, um, I had started an Etsy shop and I wanted to start an Etsy shop that focused on like messages of hope for women going through, um, fertility struggles. And for me specifically, because my faith is important to my life, I was thinking of like the women in the Bible who struggled to conceive and they became my inspiration. Like, Sarah and Elizabeth and Rebecca and Rachel. I wanted women to know that they were not alone mm-hmm. and to have like a reminder that they could hold on to. So, and also Rachel in the Bible struggled to have her first son. And so that was a really like big promise to me that I was just holding on to that. Like God was going to give me a promise. You guys should check out her Etsy shop. It's so cute. We'll leave oh. it in the show notes and all that fun techie <laughs> stuff that I'm going to figure out. Um, I love that you mentioned the Bible characters. Um, I remember when we were trying to get pregnant with our first and it was taking us the normal amount of time. Like I think it took like three to four months total, but I was still in that mindset. It's just going to happen right away. Cause I think we had one friend, 
one couple who it just happened the first time. Mm-hmm. And so I naively was like, oh yeah, it'll happen the first time for us. <laughs> and I remember being in a Bible study and we were studying the story of Sarah and God gives her a promise like this time next year, you're going to have a son. Mm-hmm. And I could go back to my Bible and where I highlighted and circled. I was like, I feel like this is a promise to me. And oh. like it happened and oh. that like that will always be yes. so special to me. Um, mm-hmm. And yet it's so interesting in our current struggle because, you know, post miscarriage, you know, we're still trying. It's so hard sometimes to hold on to those stories. Mm-hmm. Like it, I so easily forget that the promise was f- fulfilled before. And so it's so hard to be like, remind yourself that it could be fulfilled again. Um, And so I love that we've clung to those in the past. And I hope that hopefully, you know, that will be applicable for um, somebody, but it's hard sometimes to remind yourself of those and remind yourself that, you know, it, you might have to reiterate it to yourself over and over and over and over again. So thank you for sharing that. For sure. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Um, especially because, um, we had agreed to do our IUI cycle in January, but then in the fall of 2019, um, we got a positive test and that was the first time we'd ever had a positive test. So we were really excited. Um, we told our families, we recorded all the little cute videos and when we went for our eight week appointment, it was, it was not good. And honestly, I remember the night before I remember the night before the appointment, I was crying and my husband was like, why are you crying? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm really scared. Mm. And I, I mean, I don't know if it was like my gut knew something. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Cause there was nothing wrong. Like there was nothing that would have indicated anything was wrong. Um, but when we went in for our ultrasound, um, the lady was just really quiet and right away, I was like, this isn't good. And so she had informed us that it looked like we were having slash like going to have a miscarriage. What was going through your mind? Um, and it's okay if you cry, everybody has cried so far, (laughs) so you're good. Um, what was going through your mind? when you're having the ultrasound and she's not really saying anything. Oh my goodness. I had my husband next to me and I don't know what he was doing, but I just remember my mind like racing. It was just racing. It was, it was like a nightmare. Like you can't Mm -hmm. believe that it's happening to you and you don't even know what's really happening. You just like kind of heard about it before um, and so I, I didn't even know what, 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 what did that mean? What was going to happen next? You know? And so the doctor, when she came into the room, the first words out of her mouth, and I'm so thankful that she said that the first words out of her mouth was you didn't do anything wrong. Mm. You didn't do anything wrong. I don't want you to blame yourself. And I'm so glad that that was the first thing she said to me because, if she hadn't, maybe I would have blamed myself, you know, um, because I'm sure a lot of women think about that, you know, like, should I have done something differently? Like, what did I make a mistake somewhere along the way? Um, and so she informed us what our options were and 
you know, our heads are swimming and we're like, okay, can we go home and process this? And we went home and it was already too late. So um, I realized I was going to have to process it at home. First of all, everybody needs to go to your doctor and have her (laughs) (laughs) because from, again, all these stories are starting to have this common theme um, because so far all the stories have been about miscarriage and three out of the four stories so far, the miscarriage happened at one of their first appointments or happened in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I'm not blaming the medical staff at all because I know if I was in their position, I wouldn't be able to handle that day in and day out. Yeah. But so much of the common theme is that it wasn't handled as best as it should be. Mm -hmm. Um, Because for them, this happens one out of every four times, you know, like the Mm -hmm. statistics show. Mm -hmm. But for you and so many of these other women who are having their first or second or maybe third miscarriage, like it's personal to them. And so I love when I hear your story, when your doctor came in and that was the first words out of her mouth. Like that's just like, okay, it doesn't make it better. It doesn't take away the pain, but it reminds me that I didn't do anything wrong. Um, Another story of someone who similar to yours, they went in for their appointment and there wasn't a heartbeat and they could tell there was a miscarriage, it was going to be a miscarriage. The doctor came in and like sat right in front of them with like their knees touching, like they were so close mm-hmm. and said the same thing. Like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. This is just what's happening. Um, yeah. And so I think that's beautiful. And I hope that maybe, um, you know, I don't know what change could happen. We're not doing this podcast to change like the medical industry (laughs) in any way. But I'm thankful that there are those medical professionals and doctors and nurses out there that see individual pain and don't see it as don't see you as just another statistic. Yeah. And I was really thankful that she was able to approach me with empathy, you know, Mm -hmm. and very gently in the way that she did. Yeah. Okay, so you've left the doctor's office. You have this devastating news that right now, I'm assuming only like you and your husband knew. Yeah. Um, And you're going home to process it because processing this kind of thing in a hospital doctor's office is never ideal. Um, So what did the next steps and process look like as you're facing this huge loss and struggle? Yeah, so... um first of all, we were like, what do we even say to our families? Like this was uncharted territory for us. And like I said, I had recorded videos of telling our family and it was, that was heartbreaking Mm -hmm. to have to do, um, to share that news. But I mean, basically for people who may not know, you have different options on how you would choose to process a miscarriage. You can go to the hospital and there's a procedure that they can do there. Um, You can choose to take medication to help assist you, or you can um, wait for it to pass naturally, which would be like a period, like an extra Mm -hmm. heavy period. Um, And so because I was so late in the game already, it was going to be like a heavy period. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were home, we were home and we, um, actually, because it was COVID, how oh, did I get the year wrong? 
I did get the year wrong. It was December, <laughs> 2020, sorry, not 2019. So actually COVID was still running around our schools. And so, um, I took a couple days off from school, but then our school had a really big outbreak. So they just shut out, shut everyone down mm. for the rest of December. So I didn't go to school the entire month of December. And in a way, I thought that was like just God being so gracious to me and giving me mm. extra time at home that I needed. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's crazy. The same thing happened when I had my miscarriage. It just happened to be over the it's either MLK or President's Day weekend that's in January. I can never remember okay. the long weekend. Yeah. And so my husband just happened to be home. And it I hadn't thought of it in that way, in the blessing mm -hmm. that he was able to be home for an extra day or so because um, I also passed mine at home. I was six weeks. I'd heard stories about going into the hospital. I just didn't want that. And so mm -hmm. I, I passed mine at home too. And honestly like i'm thankful for that and i wish it was that way for so many more people because it's less traumatic you're comfortable in your home and you don't feel like you have to hold in the tears because you're not in public you can just yeah. let it all go so yeah. talk about that if you want to that the passing of the your baby and being at home for that long time just like with you and your husband what did that kind of look like wow we my husband and i would like we were like zombies in our house i mean i'm laughing about it now but we would just be doing normal ordinary things you know like we have to eat so you know <laughs> food but then we would just start crying you know or we're mm. sitting and watching tv and then you know we just start crying um i did share with a really close friend who lives, who lived nearby. Um, and she was able to come and like, she just like dropped off a really thoughtful gift. Um, mm -hmm. and I was actually a part of a community online, um, moms in the making. That's what it was. It was a community called moms in the making. Um, and they, when I told my leader, my group leader that I was, you know, that I had had miscarriage, I got letters from all over the mm. country, all over the mail would not stop. The mail would not stop. And at some point I had to stop reading them because it was a lot for me, but yeah. so many letters from women saying that I'm not alone, that um, they're praying for me, that they've been through it too, that, you know, it's going to be better. You know, <laughs> it was just letter after letter after letter. Um, and then they did send like a little box with um, just like some self-care items and things like that. So it was super emotional mm -hmm. at home, of course, but um, that Christmas, so I had miscarried December 1st. Mm -hmm. And so for Christmas, I decided to get an ornament um, in honor of um, our baby um, and... Oh, such a weird, weird thing. Yeah, such a weird thing to process. Yeah, there's no right way. Um, and when you said that it happened around Christmas time, that just broke my heart a little bit more because yeah. there's something about babies at Christmas time that just just go hand in hand. And yeah, it just 
it kind of takes away from the mm-hmm. joy and happiness of the season. Mm-hmm. Like, especially if you're like a normal woman who is obsessed with Christmas, like <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes away from it. And I don't want to like speak for you, but I know that so many, when that season rolls around, they think they're reminded of yeah. that and it will continually just, it's just there. Like, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember saying, I think it was my mom. She had asked me like, what do you like? What do you want for Christmas? What can I get you for Christmas? And I was like, I had what I wanted mm. for Christmas. And now I don't. Mm. Um, so that was, that was really, that was a challenging season for sure. There, there's no words to, and I think that's the frustrating thing about like a simple outline like this. Like, obviously it's important to, you know, run the story, run the process of the story, but yeah losses like this cannot be condensed into words and so sometimes you it's just kind of like ugh, like that sucks (laughs) like sometimes that's the only response yes and i feel like you you lose a lot and this is part of like where the grief comes in for me and i don't know if other women are like this as well but when you get a positive test your mind goes crazy like you're Mm -hmm. thinking nursery you're thinking due dates and baby showers and what's my first gift going to be um I had actually already made like a faith purchase so that's something that like I called buying something for my baby even Mm -hmm. when I didn't have it um but you start thinking about so many things and when you experience a miscarriage it just all those things just come like crashing down around you. And the most painful thing for me, and this is probably where I'm going to start going. You're good. Uh, like are those videos that I recorded, like telling our family members and I, I, I have not watched them back like to this day, you know, mm. um, of making like our original first announcement. And my poor husband, like he was like, I, I don't ever want to do that again. You know, he's like, I don't want to do that again. It's really hard. (laughs) No, it totally makes sense. Like I, I didn't make a faith purchase, but we found, we knew we were pregnant for like a week before we had the miscarriage. And that week I found maternity leggings on Facebook marketplace. Yeah. And I got them because you're right. Your mind just starts going. And yeah. we actually um, went on a date um, towards the end of that week that we knew. And as a parent, you know how hard it is to get away and have a date night yeah. when yeah. you have a child. <laughs> and so it, it happens rarely for us, but we were so excited. And um, it was that night that I started getting the cramps. You're, you get so excited so quickly. Yeah. And hard not just, to. Yeah, yeah. You just can't help yourself. Um, and so that's where, you know, the videos come in and buying everything just because it wouldn't be motherhood if you didn't instantly get excited. Yeah. And so, yes, it sucks, but that's part of the journey, like I think. Mm-hmm. And so it's finding that balance post miscarriage, post loss like how excited do I get how excited do I allow myself to be with the knowledge that it could all come crashing down so 
do you want to go into the next part of your story? Like, how did you move on from that loss? What did it look like um, after December 2020? Yeah. So after that, oof, I was I was not feeling optimistic and excited about trying again anytime soon. Um, my husband actually was the one that was like, it happened once. It can happen again. And I was like, oh my gosh, do you remember how long it took to get the one? <laughs> like, we've been at this for a long time. Mm. Uh, and he's like, no, it happened once. It could happen again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to do this again. Um, and so, you know, you need to give your body time to heal. Mm -hmm. So you have to wait until um, you get your next like natural period. Mm -hmm. um, and so I waited you know, for my body to return to normal. Um, and, um, we got our second positive in February. Wow. So one cycle after our miscarriage. And I actually do have, I did record a video of that, but like my first video of me looking at my first positive was like happy and crying and like, yay. And the second one, I literally said, like, here we go again. And mm. I, it wasn't the same, you know, like it was not mm. the same excitement. Like that excitement had been replaced with fear. And I was like, great, <laughs> mm. this, is, this is lovely, you know? So now we, it was like more of a secret or um, something we wanted to keep close and guarded. And we didn't tell families in any cute recorded manner um, and that was, I, that, that, that makes my heart hurt for me. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I feel for who I was then, um, because we were just so fearful and we, I mean, naturally we let that really grip our hearts, but I think it stole a lot from, from me too, from us too. And that experience. And so, you know, eventually my husband was, you know, like, hey, you know, it's here. Like when we went to our ultrasound, our first appointment, and we heard the heartbeat, oh mm -hmm. my goodness, like tears for everybody, you know. Um, and his mom asked, did you record it? And he started crying. And he's like, no, because I didn't want it to be anything bad. <sighs> like it was, it's just, it's, uh, it can steal a lot from mm -hmm. you. But yeah, we, we, um, slowly cautiously started preparing um for our next journey our next adventure even when we had our gender reveal I was like I can't do it in front of people it's mm. too much pressure I don't I don't and then knowing if it's a boy or a girl I'm like it's, I'm gonna be even more attached like I was sobbing at my own gender reveals like I can't handle it <laughs> um so. because your hormones are out of whack as oh, it is for sure yeah and then you throw in fear and anxiety yes yeah, you're not to blame <laughs> oh my <laughs> word and like it that. was like olympic gold medal anxiety for me the whole way through i mean even my my baby shower my husband came to pick me up to go to my our baby shower and he picked me up he's like why are you crying i said what if we have a baby shower and there's no baby like mm. what if the baby's not okay and he's like the baby is fine you can feel the movie let's go to our baby shower Aww. um 
But yeah, it definitely stayed with me until he was here. So tell us that next part, because the rainbow baby part of these stories Uh, will always be my favorite because they are that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, And even for those that might not get their rainbow baby, I still want to like lift up and highlight that part of the stories because yes we are here to share the sorrow we are here to share the loss but i guess maybe it's part of my natural my natural personality <laughs> like yeah. i love the rainbows and the sparkles yes. and the right. <laughs> so share the i mean i guess i would say like the most joyous part of your story when you finally held your rainbow baby what was if you could sum up in a few words what was going through your mind. I thought he was like the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> Even though they all come out looking like I potatoes. <laughs> I was just going to say, they all look like, you know, have like alien characteristics. <laughs> like, but also it's your little baby alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um you know, you're saying like you want to share the joy and the goodness and even if everyone's journey doesn't end the same way, I think that's what our human hearts want our human mm-hmm. hearts want the happy ending like happily ever after the end <laughs> that's why disney is making so much money <laughs> yeah yeah you do and so for people who are not aware um a baby conceived after um loss is called a rainbow baby so um yeah our baby his name is joey um we named him joseph um he's our little rainbow baby. And I mean, it was just, it was perfect. It wasn't, it wasn't anything we couldn't have asked for anything else. Mm -hmm. And even, even having him is like a constant reminder to me, like, Oh, look, I'll I'll break down every time. You're good. good. Like I, women who are like still walking through this Valley, like I, my heart, it's so hard, you know, And if I can just like step alongside those women or Mm -hmm. help to share hope, that's all that I would love to do, you know, because it is a terrible club to be in. You don't want to be invited to this (laughs) club. (laughs) The worst club ever. But oh my goodness, like to have Mm -hmm. people to go through it with you and to know like, oh, you know what I'm going through or you can empathize with me. It is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I really love what you're doing. (laughs) Yay! I do too. Um, Because there is a, there's healing in stories. Yeah. Um, And I feel the same way about my little boy. And I just keep thinking over and over and over again, if we had had a miscarriage first, and not mm-hmm. had our little one to cling to in the sorrow. Like my mind can't comprehend what you faced, like moving on past the miscarriage. Because yes, miscarriage sucks. Like you said, not a club you want to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. But in like while it was happening, I still had my little toddler. Like he was still his happy self he obviously had no idea what was going on and so 
I was able to feed off of his happiness. Mm -hmm. And so that was a huge part of my healing journey. But I just want to say to those moms, to those women who still don't have their rainbow baby, still don't have their first baby, like Mm -hmm. our hearts go out to you because no matter when your loss happened, right or you, you haven't had anything to lose, like these stories are for you. Like, and it's okay to just sit in your loss and to listen to these stories and to know you're not alone. And we're going to get to this later, but to reach out to us as well. And to be like, thanks for crying with me. Like we haven't heard your story yet, but we're crying with you. So, um, just know that you're not alone. That's like, the one thing that I don't think I could ever get tired of saying yeah. throughout this whole thing. Um, oh, I love hearing the story of your rainbow baby. That makes me <laughs> so happy. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the way that the whole process affected your relationship. So it could be with family, with your husband, with friends. Um, if it was through social media, just relationships in general, and you can break it down however you'd like. Oh, yeah. Um, well, oof. You know, it's hard because when you are in a season of life where the other people around you are also mm. trying to have babies in their season of life, <laughs> it can be triggering. And I say yes. can because not everybody is the same. Uh-huh. Um, but it can be triggering and it, and depending on you and the day and who it is mm-hmm. and how they announce it and you know when they're due, like all those things, you know, um, little factors. So for me, it was I felt like I was having a hard time showing up for people around me that were expecting. Mm-hmm. Um because I needed to like put a safe boundary for myself but also be there for my friends oh, it's so babies. tough <laughs> uh, there's no really there's no right easy. way yeah not not very easy to do mm-hmm. but um for my relationships um I I did struggle big time in my relationship with God after my miscarriage mm-hmm. I I couldn't pray it, mm-hmm. The words coming out of my mouth were not going to happen because I was just going to break down like songs, um, you know, and worship became like my prayer because I couldn't I couldn't speak mm-hmm. my prayer. It was just it was a lot. I'm kind of the opposite when it comes to like songs. There's certain songs I can't listen oh, to. Yeah. You're like, no, because don't play that one. You can't play that one because then I just won't recover today. <laughs> yeah. But another story um, that we've already recorded, um, she mentioned that songs were a huge help to her too, because they helped her cry. They allowed yeah. her to do that. And I'm like, eh, maybe I'll get there. I'm not ready to cry uh, through yeah, songs yeah. yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. You kind of alluded to the triggers already. Um, what were some other triggers for you? And what surprisingly were some that didn't affect you and you you just continued on with your day despite them yeah so for me attending events like baby showers or gender reveals um became pretty difficult uh to attend um like I said I was in a season where a lot of people around me were 
bursting with babies, uh, uh-huh. family, family and friends included. And so I felt bad when, I don't know, I, I always felt bad because I didn't know how to say, I'm so happy for you. This also sucks for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the pain with, mixed with joy is really hard to explain because it just sounds selfish. Like, yes. It hurts for me, but I'm really happy for you. (laughs) I don't know how else to explain it, you know? So that was hard for me because I never wanted it to look like I'm not showing up as a good friend or a good family member or like I'm just being selfish. It's just when you're in that boat, I I don't know that I feel like that's the only way you would understand it. Mm -hmm. Another thing that can be can be triggering is when people ask about having kids. Sometimes it's (laughs) don't get me started. (laughs) Sometimes it's fine. Other times it's not fine. And I guess, Mm -hmm. again, it depends on who you're talking to or what the context is or like how loud they're being or if this is a public place or if they're like placing an order for a baby and you're like first of all again babies are not ordered like this um and I know people have no malintent but you really don't know where people are mm-hmm. and so I just want to always encourage people to be gentle. <laughs> yeah. Yet another theme that keeps coming up through these stories. <laughs> and I joked, but I might I might do it someday when someone asks you like if you're having like more kids or you're trying to have more, all you respond with, um, no, are you? <laughs> are you? That is a great response. I haven't had the guts to do it yet because my older my oldest sibling self is too people pleasing but once i get there i'll let you guys know how it goes cuz yeah. it's that feeling like again depends on who asks it where you are and everything right yeah yeah but so much of the time it's like people that you're only slightly acquainted with and again they're it's very <laughs> innocent and they're not meaning it to ruin your day no but yeah it does so psa Unless you know the person, you've already asked the hard questions, don't ask the hardest question of all. Right. You've got it and, out there. Yeah, sometimes I feel like really brave um, and share like, mm-hmm. actually, it took us a really long time to have our son and I'm so thankful for him. I would love to have another one, but we did have a miscarriage. Like sometimes I'll mm-hmm. go there, you know, and people aren't <laughs> ready for it. <laughs> And I do. I'll go there sometimes um, because I feel like here's a real dosage of like a healthy dose of real life. Like mm-hmm. I've been through a lot to get here, you know, sometimes I just I just can't like somebody mm-hmm. asked me recently if I was pregnant. I said, no, I'm I said I'm fat. <laughs> <laughs> and I I, I mean, this is not a podcast about body issues, so I don't have any body issues. And I wasn't like saying it like <laughs> I'm fat, like I really think I'm fat. But I'm like, hello, what? Mind it, okay? Just keep it to yourself. Oh well, here comes a moment of vulnerability. This weekend, I saw an acquaintance who I asked my husband, like, "Do you think she's pregnant?" And he's like, "No, don't ask that question." Yeah, yeah. But but I was like. But what if she is? And like, I really want to be excited for her. 
And I asked her and she wasn't. Oh. And like it ruined the, com like that was the same night I saw Winona Judd and it ruined Winona Judd for me because oh, no. I was like, oh, I'm such a terrible person. I hate when people do this to me and yet I still did it. And like, I went home and I just cried and I like texted to my friends. I was like, I've been talking on this podcast about how I hate when people do this and I just did it. Oh, who I feel no, better getting I mean, that off my chest. It happens to the best of us. It's just <laughs> don't ask unless she is very obviously about to go into labor, right? Yes. If she's on her way to the hospital, that's when you can ask. And, and <sighs> like I said, sometimes it's a trigger. And most yeah. times, I mean, now it's rarely not. It's mm -hmm. just an issue of education for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, thank you for the vulnerability. And it encouraged me to do the same. As we're wrapping this up here, it's really difficult to break it all down to one most difficult part of this whole process. But if you could put it into one little neat box, what would be the most difficult part of all? Um, I think the most difficult part for me would be kind of what I touched on earlier, just that um, the loss really had stole it stole a lot from me it stole a lot of joy and in turn it gave me the gift of here's some postpartum anxiety to live with <laughs> um because even after having my rainbow baby I still had a really heavy strand of I don't want anything to happen to him mm. um and so then I was living with that you know as a new mom like I have him but now what if something happens and he's taken away from me uh so that navigating that um has been difficult and I don't think that loss and infertility ever leave you you know like grief doesn't leave you it becomes like embedded into your life and you mm -hmm. grow around it but it's there yeah yeah it's it's forever entwined in your story there's mm -hmm. you can't separate and so again another goal of this podcast is to help women figure out how to live in the grief and the joy simultaneously because it's not easy but it's made a little bit easier through community and through story so yeah just yet another um hopefully wonderful outcome of this mm -hmm. um again another question we like to ask everybody um because i'm not a numbers person because <laughs> that some people are <laughs> um on a scale of one to ten where are you today because it changes constantly like we've said before yeah. but today yeah, I'm not a big numbers person either. <laughs> um, an A, like, I mean, I feel pretty good. I I mean, obviously, sometimes um, I feel I feel sad, like about what we went through, you know, when I mm -hmm. when I think about that, or sometimes even when you see pregnancy announcements, and I'm like, Oh, I'm so happy for them. And I thought, Oh, I remember when that was really hard for me. Like, mm -hmm. and it just still brings that, you know, back and you remember that season of your life that was really hard um and honestly I do worry sometimes because we it took us such a long time to have our son and again you know I would love to have another one but I don't know what that road and what that journey looks like for us I don't know if it'll be as easy or as difficult or if it will come the same way or if we'll have to go down a different route mm -hmm. um but I do think it's like really ironic that 
we're filming this episode in July and my first positive, that's what I call that baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My first positive would have been um, due in July, but Mm -hmm. you know, you touched on if I had had that first baby, I wouldn't have the one that I have now. And so I just count my blessings every day. And so I never take that little boy for granted and, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I I would say the same thing, like it it changes every day and there are still, and those, it depends like how much the triggers affect you. I I mentioned this in my story, but, and I'm sure you see it at your library time too. Every mom with a toddler looks like she's about to just head to the hospital right (laughs) now. I'm just like, slow down. people. That is so true. And it's just like, am I the only mom of a toddler that's not pregnant right now? (laughs) And I'm just like, goodness gracious. And it just like, I like, like, like we've connected with before, like we love story time and our sons absolutely love it. Yeah. But lately I've been like, I kind of want to skip today because I really don't want to see these pregnant moms again. (laughs) (sighs) And, and it's, it's kind of easy just like scoff at them in my head because I don't have a personal relationship with them. <laughs> Our kids know each right, other's names right. and that's about it. I haven't, I don't know their name if you put a gun to my head. Like I know the kids, not the moms. It's easier to be frustrated with someone that you don't have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned before, when your friends were pregnant and you're excited for them, that's awesome. Yeah. But otherwise it's just like, yeah. I'm kind of mad at you and you don't know, like (laughs) you'll never know how upset I am with you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or those people who like their spouse walks into the room and they're pregnant and you're like, Hey, (laughs) bring some of that. (laughs) (laughs) Send those vibes this way, please. Thank you. All the baby dust. We'll take it. Um, You mentioned um, moms in the making as a huge resource that was helpful for you during this journey. And I really want to, um, put it in the show notes. If this is something that other moms can connect to, I'm really curious about it. So, um, would you like to tell us a little bit more about that organization, how you got connected with it? Cause I feel like that's a huge, uh, that was a huge part of your journey. Yeah. So a friend actually connected me with somebody that she knew was a leader for like one of the small groups. So basically um, moms in the banking is, it is a faith-based community. So if that's not where you are in your journey, that's okay. But okay. So moms in the banking is a um, faith-based community that supports um, women who are going through fertility, um, infertility, miscarriage loss, like all the things like journey to motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they have like a convention every year. I haven't been, okay. um, I only was there for like a few short months again, mm-hmm. COVID hit and you know, things life kind of unraveled. Thanks COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was really nice when I was going, uh, we met a few times in person and then a few times through zoom. And basically I was connected with a woman, uh, a local woman who like led other women who were also local and we would have, um, you know, like discussions together and we Mm -hmm. would pray together and we would talk about like, where are you in your fertility journey together? Because some people don't have that or Mm -hmm. don't want to discuss those things with their family or close friends for whatever reason. 
So it was a good place for me to connect with other women who have, who were on similar journeys because Mm -hmm. I truly knew nobody at the time Mm. that had gone through that. I didn't, I felt like super alone, even though I knew I wasn't, which Uh also inspired me to like share my story via Instagram. Um, And then, you know, it started coming in like, oh my gosh, we've been through this too. Then people that I did know were like, we've been through it too. And I'm like, we all need to be talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm really excited to find out more about it. So like I said, we'll put it in the show notes so other people can um, find it too. Lastly, um, would you be comfortable sharing ways that people can reach out to you to follow you, ask more about your story, email, social Uh media? Yeah, yeah. So um, I am on Instagram and my handle is uh, learning with Mrs. Fresh. Uh, It is a public Instagram account, so you should be able to join along. No problem. And I think my email is on there. Yes, it is. I've I've got your email here, so I'll throw that in too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm like not shy about sharing this story with anybody. It's it's not anything that would like make me boohoo on the street anymore. You know, <laughs> to me, it's more, it's more powerful. It's more special. Yes. It's more like, um, just a real part of life. Like it's just mm-hmm. a chapter in my book, you know? And yeah, it's a sucky chapter, but <laughs> it's a chapter nonetheless. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if you yeah. don't like sadness, please skip over chapter seven. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing your story. Um, I don't take these stories and the women that share them for granted because I know what loss feels like. Mm -hmm. And rehashing that story, there's something about this format that brings up those feelings again. So thank you for being vulnerable, for being willing to share here and opening up your heart to so many other women that feel like they're alone. Because even though we see the statistics, we do our Googling, Mm -hmm. it still makes you feel like you're alone. So thank you so much for sharing. I'm so glad we reconnected this way. Again, sucky club that we're now a part of. (laughs) But awesome members. I saw a t-shirt and I just feel like I would just want to mail it out to everybody. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Jolene, for inviting me and also just creating this really, really special place. I hope that women can come and feel empowered and feel mm-hmm. special and look forward to um like happy endings, you know, yep. whatever that looks like for them, whatever journey motherhood brings them Mm -hmm. yeah all of our happy endings are going to look different but they're out there somewhere yeah for sure thank you so much you're so welcome it was so good to reconnect and chat and thanks for being a great cheerleader of this podcast we need more rachel's yay i will keep in touch with you definitely chat i know go enjoy your baby he'll be up from nap soon i'm sure yes You enjoy whatever nap time you have left, too. I've got about an hour, so we're going to go soak it up. All right. Bye, Jolene. (laughs) So good talking to you. Bye. Bye.